Welcome to another episode of Taoism Unveiled. This is the podcast that explores the tapestry of human spirituality and the wisdom found in all faiths and all spiritual beliefs. I'm your host, C.D. Domitio, and today we have one of my favorite people joining us on this exploration, Robbie Pollock. But before we start, let me just explain a little bit of the basics. So a Baoji is a spiritual teacher, someone that you learn from. It could be your third grade teacher, a parent, a favorite uncle, a person you meet on the street. It could actually be a religious figure like Jesus or uh, the goddess Kali. These are ones that have come up in the past. And then we have the concepts of rocks and talks. Rocks are things that help you along your spiritual path, practices that you can do on a daily basis or in the world that help you to progress further and feel better and be happy. And then talks are just the opposite of that. These are things that maybe hold you back from your spiritual development as a human being. That's something I always like to explain before we start. But Robbie, how are you? I'm so good today. I'm so grateful. I'm so happy to be talking to you, CD, honestly. Dude, I'm always happy to be talking to you. So can you share a little bit about your background in terms of spirituality and where you're coming from so people could maybe have an idea of a baseline? Sure. I, I grew up in New York City and in a small little church in Harlem uh, that used to be Pentecostal but became non-denominational. My entire family was involved in this church. It was a Christian-esque situation with very insular views. It was only later in life after I left at age 18 that I realized it was more like a cult than like a church. My family are still there. And I kind of forwent all uh, religious viewpoints. And that extended to my own spirituality as well, basically cutting myself off from all of those things. So that's kind of like the majority of my life has been spent running away from what I saw as being a, an unhealthy way of, of life and living and disdain for spirituality and myself and others. I, I don't really, think I'm still there. I can really relate with what you're saying, actually. I can. And I think maybe that's a step in the progression that we have. But where are you at now? Now, I think, it, it, I mean, it's wildly different. I find myself seeking out people with strong, grounded spiritual practices and wisdom. I uh, find myself open to feelings that I associate with spirituality, feelings of awe and gratitude and connectedness. I tend to refrain. <laughs> for, this is really funny if you compare our styles of spirituality. I absolutely try at all costs to refrain from naming these kind of ineffable sensations as much as possible because I feel like words are tricky uh, around spirituality. Um, we're often describing the same thing with different terms and then fighting over the terms. So I try to, I, I think I'm trying to receive and give as much as possible there. I tell people all the time now, I'm sending you blessings. I'm sending you positive vibes. I use this generic kind of language. And to me, it has a spiritual connotation. It means I'm using my calories to think about them and wish them well and would be there for them if I could be. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it feels woo-woo to me uh, <laughs> so far from my agnostic kind of bent. 
but I, I, I feel it very deeply. Well, I love that. You said uh, using your calories to send good vibes, essentially. That's such an awesome description. Okay, so so here's the question. I think I may already know the answer to this, but when people ask what religion or what are you, what's your belief system, do you have an answer that you give? I give a murky answer, and I'm, I'm sorry for all the listeners of your Don't awesome podcast. I, I think my, my answer is usually something like, I respect all people of faith, and I practice being good, doing good things. I don't think there's anything to apologize for there. I mean, this may surprise you, but I've been really excited to talk to you because from my point of view, you're one of the most spiritual people that I know. And the fact that you give this murky answer doesn't change that. I mean, in fact, I would say that's a very Baoist point of view. You know, without using the label of Baoism, I would say that's a very Baoist thing to say. I would agree. From what I've seen of Baoism, I'm like, yeah, I dig it. I that that matches my that matches my energy. I really I, there isn't a lot to disagree with, which might be the heart of my thing. Is like reducing disagreement is a big deal. I feel that it is a big deal. Reducing disagreement. That's that's where a lot of my own stumbling blocks came with with just about every organized religion or organized spiritual philosophy that I took part in, and there's a lot of them, was the things that I disagreed with were sometimes just so blatant. I had to toss out the baby with the bathwater. I, I was thinking about times when I practiced Buddhism, which has given me a lot of, a lot of gems, and, and I hit a snag in one of the many million uh, flavors of, of Buddhism in the practice or terminology where I was like, ah, I just don't get with that. And I, I also, I also bailed. I was like, you know, if I'm not meditating like this every day, then I'm not doing it right. So I should just stop. And it feels good to not be there where I can kind of carve my own path, do what works, not be, uh, hung up on being right. I think. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are like us and, when you take a cookie cutter thing and place it in front of somebody that likes to make their own cookies, maybe the cookie's delicious, but maybe the cookie just doesn't work. That was actually a really great, that was a really great metaphor. A tasty See, one, I might add. This is why I love talking to you, because I get affirmation and jokes, both. And bad puns, yes. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about your Bao Ji, the teacher figures that, that you've had, who you've learned part of your personal philosophy from. Do you have some Bao Ji that stand out among the many that I'm sure exist? I do. I think I think some of them would be surprised to hear that they are. I spent time in prison, and uh, there was a guy, we all called him Peña, and uh, Peña used to run laps in the yard, just religiously <laughs> i didn't realize they it was religious until one day i spoke to him and he said you should come to buddhist services which was kind of a treat it was a quiet room and we uh practiced a form of zen buddhism where we sat and i remember being there as like a early 30 year old supposed to be meditating but instead i'm opening one eye and peeking at to see how well how is his meditation going <laughs> i can relate. but benya 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 had um benya had a scar on his face and had lived one of those lives where you're like holy crap like how are you even still alive by the time i met him he was a he was like a walking wave of peace like wars would stop wow. when benya passed through now he's home and he's a advocate for social change and 
very powerful out here with that same kind of calm. And I, I think something about that energy, the ability to diffuse horrible violence, horrible just outcomes and present that like it came from in him. And I, and that was something I really, really wanted to emulate. Um, I, I understand now that it was grounded in the practice. It wasn't some magical aspect to his character. It's, it's he synthesized his own ups and downs and, and turned it into something that's just a gift to the world. God, that's such a powerful story, dude. I want to meet this guy. Oh, Pena's awesome. Pena's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's a really cool dude. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so kind of was a was a bow G to you at at a time. It sounds like you really needed one. He showed up and and brought you somewhere where you got some got some benefits. I'm guessing. Yeah, I've never really told him that, but I used to copy him running as well. So I, I'd be like, "Can I run with you?" And it was hard to keep up. Which is kind of a, another metaphor, I guess, <laughs> a physical one. It's funny. I'm so when I haven't seen Pena, but when you're describing him, I'm I'm picturing. I'm sure you know you'll know who I'm talking about. I'm picturing Debo. Is <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of similarity. He's he's kind of a he's um a Dominican and he has like a, a olive brown complexion. He's, everybody finds him handsome. I had one of my interns fall in love with him because he, he did an event with us. He's like, who is that? I was like, you cannot sully Pena. Don't, don't stop. <laughs> stop. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think, oh, I think too, there's the thing about inner light that, um, that is also related to attractiveness and like uh, magnetism or whatever. And it's, it's also why it's so easy for spiritual leaders to, to abuse their power is because of that. It's almost like you need an extra layer of caution when dealing with people when you have that much, whatever that is, charisma, riz. As, as yeah. Mean. So we've got Pena, and it sounded like maybe there were some others that you wanted to, to mention. Yeah, I'm thinking of a recent um, person who who started a he started a Zoom-based men's group called the Better Men Project. And this is before COVID. People weren't really meeting on Zoom like that. And I was like, I could really use some of that, that uh, energy. I got in the Zoom and he started us with a a grounding meditation. And I was like, oh, this is a good, like the words he was using made sense to me. And I was like, okay, I didn't expect this. I thought we were just going to be dudes talking about, you know, how to not be a dick which is kind of like a big thing that i bought right like yeah for uh, sure you you actually um, wrote a book uh, about that. i wrote yeah, yeah, i know i thought that's all it was going to be but instead he he kept talking about this thing called the we space which is like the concept of the space in between us the space that we create um as we uh interact and listen to each other and, and hold space with each other he talked about things like thinking about you know seven generations in the future, the things that we do now and how it impacts the changes and the trials and tribulations of the world. And I was like, uh, that is how I want to be thinking. And, um, you know, we we get so hyper-focused on the present, how I'm going to make money now, how I'm going to hustle now. And like the, the framing of thinking of my ancestors who I, I honestly avoid thinking about most of the time and thinking about my descendants or the world 
in the future. Those are things I also don't like thinking about too much. It's so much easier to focus on the hustle and the grind. And so I found I found that really rewarding. Then after three years of doing this online activity every month, uh, I got to participate in a um, a retreat and a ceremony with him and a group. And it was one of the most profound. I'm getting teary thinking about it. I thought I had been kind of disconnected from that depth of feeling, which I realized also is a big part of being human, having a, a connection to that feeling. And also deep, it hurts. Gratefulness that it makes you want to cry. The bittersweet tang of like full, full, full existence. And I was able to get multiple glimpses at that ability in myself. And so his name is Gibran Rivera. He offers workshops and coaching and does all kinds of cool, positive stuff in the world for a lot of people. And he is definitely a Baoji, although I have not also, I also haven't told him. I think he knows this. His, his, his problem is that he always has to constantly like remind himself of <laughs> like whatever, which is also very human and beautiful for a teacher to acknowledge out loud. Yeah. So he's like acknowledging his own like, I don't know quite what the word would be, but like imposter syndrome desire or... for more humility. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So these are two amazing Baoji, Robbie, and I want to ask you more, but I try to keep these to a little under 30 minutes. So let's, let's move on and maybe we can have you on again sometime. I'll just throw that out there in terms of talking about rocks, positive things that people can do in their daily lives that might bring them closer to you know, some sort of spiritual fulfillment or happiness, dare I say. What are some rocks that you've discovered in your life that you could share with other people? If connection is a thing, it's really hard to feel spiritual in total isolation. Even for people who go on, like, you know, you climb up the mountain, there's that old, uh, you know, Nietzschean uh, dilemma between being all spiritual on the mountaintop and all like earthly in the village, right? And so there's like, how do I walk a middle path in a world that is increasingly isolated? And so anyway, one of the practices I do is I comment very frequently on things my friends are doing and tell them as honestly and plainly as I can with zero sarcasm or cynicism just how awesome they are for what they're doing. It's something I do pretty much every day. I send someone a blessing of some kind. Keep going, rock on, you know, just like it's, it's, it doesn't take a lot of time. You can't, I can't do it for everyone I know remotely, but I try to do it for someone or multiple people every day. Um, I, I can say I feel, as, yeah. as someone who's been a recipient of that, it makes a huge difference. It means so much, dude. Like I can recall a couple of times that you like threw out some like love appreciations to me for just things that I'm doing. And it makes such a difference. It really does. I love this. Thank you so much for that, by the way, for not only for, you know, sharing that with me, but also for sharing this with the world as as a rocks that they can participate and do. I'm so grateful for to like to be able to say that out loud, too. I, I, I don't think of it really as a practice, but now that it, in this in this framing it feels that way and then i guess the same thing i'm working really hard at taking time for myself as well i started this boost practice it's being facilitated by jabron and we agree to wake up at 6 a.m every day we agree to do 15 minutes of meditation 
of exercise, yada, yada, yada. Do a conscious eating practice. Do an hour of creative time every day. And all of those things definitely assist with, they're, they're all like kind of mini rocks in themselves. Yeah. Um, but we're doing it in a team. <laughs> so I'm accountable to the team, <laughs> which is, Important, I've already dude. lost my team point, CD. <laughs> I've lost my team points. I, oh my God. So there's this thing. Um, <laughs> You're killing me. You've lost your team points. Um, okay, I lost my team points. I did. Okay. Here's the rock. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm, this is what I'm saying, CD. And this is the magic. This is the real, real magic. After you've screwed up, after you've screwed up, there are two choices. You can flee or you can try to repair. Flee is like all kinds of things. Deny, prevaricate, like ignore, avoid. And then there's this other thing. And this other thing hurts a little. It's the pain of of branching and growth. It it's it, it's an introspection. It's you can almost even get addicted to this pain of when you acknowledge that you screwed up. It doesn't feel great and yet you move on. You you build on that. That is a practice. It's linked to like accountability. If we look around, we can see that this is in sore sore dearth in in the world today. Like people it's like a death sentence to admit that you're wrong and really mean it and feel feel the sorrow of having fucked up. Am I allowed to say that on this podcast? And feel the sorrow. You can of say whatever up, you but, want, but like still try to move forward and do your literally just keep doing your best. And 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 it burns like like working out like a muscle like it to really feel that. And especially you will let people down even when you try your best. You're gonna let people down. But the the practice is to literally step into it and face it and try your best to repair as best as you can it's hard it's at at the same time i mean exactly what you're saying is such a profound and strong spiritual practice i mean you don't learn from a mistake unless you can acknowledge that you made a mistake that's just the bottom line of the whole thing right yeah and and and, and there's a really fine distinction i know a lot of people who are flippant like a sh the shoulder shrug Oh yeah, I screwed up. Oh yeah, okay, whatever. There's a difference between that or I'm sorry, you should absolutely forgive me. There's like a, it's it's a, it's not even a subtle distinction, I don't think. I think it's a, a very clear distinction between like, feel, is you, you go through a little bit of grief, a little mini dosage of grief. And that, that is, it's just really important, I think, to to be able to achieve the kind of growth that, that moves you beyond that and allows you room to see uh, when other people fail. If you've gone through that grief process and you're always actively going through that, when somebody else screws up around you, you're like, oh, I've got plenty of room for that because like I give that room to myself. You hold fewer grudges. You're you're constantly repairing relationships when the other person screwed up, right? It's just it's just a, it's a yeah. I do think it's deeply profound and easy to easy to do fraudulently. I, I feel a bit weird belaboring this point because it is, I think it's odd, but Belabor away, personally, it's been rewarding. It. Yeah. So easy to do fraudulently was, is, is I think a, a very important nuance to this. Right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm personally uh, turned off heavily by the apology that turns something into your fault. Which is like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right. You're like, <laughs> 
like, okay. oh, I'm sorry you're such a bad person. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry you're actually concerned with things. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, I don't so know moving... if there's probably more rocks, but I'm sure that there's more rocks. Music. I've actually I can I can think of a bunch of rocks that I've learned from you or heard from you or seen from you. But again, let's move on and we're gonna talk about talks. What are some things that you've discovered in your life that are impediments to spiritual growth? Talks. Mm, I got a whole like dresser full of these. Let's pull see. some of them out, man. Open up those drawers and dump them. So we talked about lying and I lying is literally the antithesis of it's just giant talks, just maybe one of the biggest. Uh, and so I have discovered recently that I am a horribly codependent person. I am constantly trying to manage the emotions of everyone around me. I'm trying to anticipate and be the nice guy and like say the right thing. And I also, this is related, I guess, to the, the thing that I was talking about earlier. I want to hide all of my mistakes. I want to not, I want to be the infallible person. So if there is a possibility that I could get away with something and not admit it, I still always have to recognize the urge to manage and control someone else's experience and decision-making by limiting their information or lying to them. That is a giant tox. It says that I trust the world that little that I want to try to control all outcomes. And so I think when you commit to honesty, um, it can help avoid that tox. That's super profound, dude. So I'm, I'm taken to a couple of potential examples of that. And I, I think the, I think a caution is also worthy of throwing out. Like I have a 12 year old daughter. I always tell her to be honest, right? I tell her that it's, it's better to tell the truth. If you tell a lie, you're going to um, have to cover the lie and it leads to more lies. But there are times I think that you do more harm to yourself and to others by giving too much information. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, like don't put yourself in a situation. If you make a mistake and, and, you know, if you a piece of paper flies out your window while you're driving, don't go to the police station and say, I littered. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Absolutely. But Uh, maybe maybe go pick up the garbage that you that you lost or or some other garbage to make up for it. That might be the way to go. I just I wanted to throw that caution out there. Like complete honesty within yourself is good, but we do live in a society where there are times that complete honesty can hurt yourself and other people in ways that, that you may not consider. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, I think that's the, the magic maybe behind all like truisms or like even like an, an oversimplification or like a reductive approach to, to these things is, is I like how you said honesty inside yourself. One of the things is that the focus with that talks is your lying impacts you. We talked about calories in the beginning. It's like like you the advice you gave your young child is like it's not just that you'll have to keep lying, it's that you'll have to keep thinking about it. When you walk right. in the room, you're worried about what everybody else is thinking. And that is again, you could be engaging, you could be present, you could be listening, you could be enjoying life. But instead, you're worried about the 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 layers of deception that is an awful way to live and so many people are living it I, I i'm in so many circles cd and i walk in the room and all i can feel is the weight 
of everybody's like little plastic smiles and their little it's and 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 I feel the deepest sadness and like compassion for them and I just want to create room to allow them to be as open and honest that's the other thing perhaps is uh if you can with your honesty you you create room for other people to be open and honest as well and that enriches people's lives builds connection man it's such an important talks you know all the caveats aside it's so important and everything that you've just said i just want people to listen to that and maybe go back and listen to it again because that last part that you said with your honesty you create the room for other people to be honest and it's just like with the men's groups and with other you know communities that you may belong to when you are in a group like that and you open up it creates the room for someone else to open up and that's that's where the magic happens in my opinion in community and in humanity i've witnessed it a million times i'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it the amount of powerful life-giving breakthroughs people who could be utterly toxic and have transmuted that through honesty into something generative and glorious so do you have another talks that you'd like to share with people listening i think recently a friend of mine who i follow they go by janice on multiple social media they're a photographer based in iran and i collect all of janice's stuff like uh, i just really like her vision but she was saying she shared with me that she is now like you know a couple months sober and recently gave a talk with a group about addiction. I'm also, I, I haven't drunk alcohol in like 15 years. And I was telling her that someone told me, this is getting convoluted, but the, the, the phrase that someone told me is that addiction is just the failure to recognize that everything is alive. Wow. And the person who told me that went on, they were like, like the computer in front of you is alive. The ground you're on the everything everything is alive and you are in relationship to it and i was like oh you're blowing my mind like i and i realized that the tox of addiction <clears throat> which is you know most open often a coping mechanism it says i will use this thing as a thing whether it's sex whether it's drugs whether it's like i want to be the best at business or in this competitive arena whatever whatever the addiction is it's saying that that everything connected to that i'm not really in relationship to it that i can use and abuse this thing and it has no repercussions on me on the world on anything else and i don't care where it came from i don't care where it's going and and that talks of being able to take myself out of relationship of it to everything that is is uh is the root of a lot of harm a lot of harm and i know i just oh man I, I liked that framing, and so I'm, I'm mulling it over. It's not refined, but um, shout out to everybody who's changing their relationship to things, whatever they are. Super cool. You have given me so much to think about. This is one of the reasons I love talking to you. It's always these conversations. I end up going like, but wait, I want to go this direction. I want to go this direction, but I'm going to hold myself together. So there's a question that Quanta asked that was really good. And she was like, maybe you could share this with other guests. And her question was, what do you think a universal or a, a world religion that everybody took part in would, or spirituality or faith practice, however you like, what do you think that would look like? What would be some components of that, do you think, Robbie? There'd be 
one main component. <laughs> uh, and it's two Which parts. Is? It would be sound and movement. Uh, <laughs> sound and like movement. Sound, sound and movement. Yeah, I uh, my own personal mantra is about sound and movement, and um, it's the thing that I found transcends all like linguistic barriers. Um, I can hear a riff from any culture, any language, any time meter. I can hear a melody from any culture and get shivers. Um, it activates my awe from Gregorian chants to Hungarian folk melody and movement is utterly true like there it is exactly right there and so when we open our voices and we move we're tapping into everything that is you and i think i think it's a fundamental element to any global uh, universal religion the, the the spheres are moving you know we're hurtling through space the, the cosmos is whirling and expanding and like it's and singing so i think i think fundamentally yeah i maybe it's too abstract but it's for me it's very concrete part of my practice is to dance and, and improvise music um all the time so yeah that i would hope that that's part of the universal religion <laughs> i love it me too me too i would hope so too okay robbie we're running out of time is there anything that you'd like to share before we close out fundamentally kudos to you for doing this for all the reasons that you're doing it blessings to you and everyone who listens like in your heart if anything's going wrong if anything's going really right you're not alone thank you so much for sharing your insights and experiences today robbie it's really been a pleasure to have you on Bowism unveiled this concludes another episode of Bowism unveiled and if you enjoyed today's conversation be sure to subscribe rate and leave a review and remember whether you're a Bowist or whether you're simply curious about the diverse world of spirituality that exists in our world the journey continues. Until next time, embrace the wisdom, find your rocks, and live in harmony. Be happy.